Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Volleyball. It's not Squidge Volleyball. Do I mean volleyball? Volley... Um, hold on. Which is the... Yes, volleyball. Volley... It is volleyball. volleyball? Um, sure? I've ruined my own joke twice. It's fine. Uh, I'm going to start this again, but we can keep this all in. Okay, are we ready? Do we like rugby? Um, not rugby. Rugby isn't relevant. Why am I talking about rugby? It's the Squidge Volleyball Volleyball World Cup Retrospective Podcast. Right, that's the one. And today, we are going to be talking about the fixture from the 2011 Volleyball World Cup in which Russia the Russian played team. Italy. The Italian? The Russian volleyball, volleyball team, team played the Italian men's volleyball. Which made that clear men's. The men's volleyball men's. World okay. Cup, yeah. Because obviously, volleyball being one of those sports where women's volleyball is bigger I watched than the wrong match. Volleyball. Did you? I watched the women's. What did you watch? Oh, mate. But we've been doing this whole podcast. We're, what, like 20 episodes in to a podcast about the men's volleyball tournament. No, I forgot again. I'm sorry. Did you... I mean, to be fair, for 20 episodes in a row, I did just watch the scene from Top Gun where they play volleyball. Yeah, I know. You've been reminding me the whole time that we're watching the men's, but... And Top Gun's, you know, Top Gun. But I'm sorry. Uh, Next time I'll get it. Okay? Okay. Right. We're just going to have to crack on. And present a really balanced view between the men's and women's yeah. volleyball um, from twenty. As a backup plan, I did watch the men's rugby match from the twenty eleven Rugby World Cup between Italy and Russia as well. Uh, so we can what's talk that? about that instead if you want to. So what's that? Uh, what? What's what? Sorry. What are men? Men. Um, they're like. Uh, they're like women. Wait a second! I watched the women's match as well. Did you know? Yeah. Ah. But we can't... No, we can't... It's a podcast on the men's rugby. We can't do it on the the men's volleyball. We can't do it on the... Look, the point I'm making is when you type 2011 Italy-Russia full match you know, into YouTube, something comes up and it's about two hours long and I start playing it and then I realised two minutes in it was volleyball. Oh, really? Yeah. It took you two minutes to realise it was volleyball. Well, because... No, because there's like all these trailers for volleyball, and I was like, okay, clearly they recorded the, the they recorded the the program, they recorded the broadcast, right. and they had loads of trailers for volleyball beforehand. Okay, okay. And then I realised, no, this is just a volleyball match. When they scored the first point, it you started. Thought, Hang on a second, this is different. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Why is Tom Cruise here? Yeah, the last set finished twenty five twenty one to Russia. Okay. Uh, it was a three sets to one victory. Okay, over for, Italy for Russia. Okay, for Russia. Yeah. They look furious. They're big, angry lads, the Russian volleyball team. Like, you would not expect a volleyball team to be so aggressive, but the Russian volleyball team look fuming. That's that's interesting. But um, uh, do you know a team that was potentially more aggressive in a sport in 2011 Um, when playing against uh, Italy? 
was it a team of bulldogs? Yes, it was. It, uh, was it Ruckley? <laughs> it was Ruckley and the boys. Ruckley, this is back when he played <laughs> for Russia do you remember before the, he went and qualified the through the sevens. Of course, yeah. yes. And became the face of English rugby. Back when, oh no, because there was this whole, I was about whole to say scandal. The feces of English people, rugby there, by the way, instead of the face. The feces of English rugby. That was 2015. Yes, yeah. that's also fitting. Uh, for people who are unaware, people who didn't listen to me bang on about him for 20 minutes on Blood and Mud the other week, uh, Ruckley was the England mascot for a few years. And he became the England mascot because he fell in a hole in the Twickenham turf. During a kicking and, session. Yep, he touched like a magic rugby ball, which turned him into a massive hench dog. Yeah, and it's terrifying because, firstly, his owners don't care that he's come out of the no. come out of the ground as a massive henchman. Like, his head remains the same. However, yeah. like, his body becomes some mad, like, I think you compared him to he's- James Haskell. Yeah, he looks like James Haskell. He's got like James Haskell's body, and you know, that kind of like ultra built. His owners just kind of go like, Ruckley, like you've all grown yeah, up. Yeah, like, ah, oh, it's, you know, it's like, you know, the opening titles of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yeah. Right. When it's like, they're like, oh, we got this dog, right? It was really, really small. And then one day, suddenly it was bloody massive. Yeah. It's it's a, one of my favourite storylines, to be honest, is... Yeah. Clifford the red, Big Red Dog, because um, there's a great bit of character development in there, uh, in that yes. he goes from being a small boy to a very big one. I shouldn't praise Louis C.K., considering he is a serial public masturbator, but there's a great bit of Louis C.K. stand-up from before we knew he was a serial public masturbator, and a creep, and everything else, where he talks about how <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog is the worst book series because there's 90 of them and in all of them the plot is look how big this dog is yeah do you think they maybe get used to it you know the the fact that like because yeah. every time it's always just kind of like oh yeah dog's pretty big again huh do you yes, when that like... happens or maybe they're like oh, oh how many bonios do you have to buy oh, him classic oh boy ho Oh, oh most, yeah, most he, dogs are sniffing the side of trees and he's knocking them down like, no tomorrow. Yeah. Whenever he pisses against a lamppost, actually the, the piss is bigger than the lamppost. Yeah. People start marking his own marks. Yeah. You know, that's a solid bit. I saw a film yesterday called 100... We're going on another tangent, do you mind? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, should we introduce us quickly? I'm Robbie slash Squid, you're... I'm Will Owen. Great, okay. Uh, I saw a film yesterday called 100% Wolf, right? Okay. Which is an Australian movie. It's kind of notable for being like one of like the the three films that have been released for the cinemas reopening from COVID. Right. Okay. Is it like, just one long shot on the wolf? And yes, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent wolf. Yeah. Yes. No, it's just a recipe. It's just a recipe for how to make wolf. <laughs> how to yeah. make wolf. You <laughs> put in one wolf, and you have a wolf. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. He yeah. just just does a wolf there. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, right, the plot is there's this boy and he's a werewolf, right? But he doesn't turn into a werewolf until he's 16. Like, like he's 16, oh, birthday, so he turns into a werewolf for the first time. The recipe is one really? boy and you have a wolf. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You don't really, even need wolf to have wolf. wolf. No, no, he's 50% wolf, really. Right, oh, the plot no. is, right, on his 16th birthday, he's going to turn into a wolf and his dad is like the leader wolf and he's like the biggest, scariest wolf. This is bollocks. For my 16th birthday, I've got the greatest hits of 10cc. It, what if I want to become a wolf? Birthday? Come on. I know, it's rubbish, isn't it? I can't remember what happened on my 16th birthday, but it was not interesting. I did not become a wolf. <laughs> You're implying getting the greatest hits of 10cc is interesting. <laughs> no, it's memorable, isn't it? Yeah, fair. You always but remember. Then again, I'd remember it a bit better if I turned into a wolf. Or would I? I? So would I, so would I. What if, what if you didn't listen to it the full way through? 
And if you'd listened past Dreadlock, Dreadlock Holiday, which apparently there are more hits than Dreadlock Holiday, you would have turned into I a I assume wolf. that's track one. Yeah. It's either track one or the last track, isn't it? No, it'll be track one. You either play it right up or you hold it so you hold people's attention. No, but it's tense. You see, they're not going to hold people's attention. That's the issue. They try to hold people att- people's attention by putting one of yeah. two hits at the they're, start. They're such a low calibre that they're 40cc below the minimum cc in Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So 50% wolf, right? No, 100% wolf, right? 50% wolf, he's dropped. 50% wolf. To be fair, he's 50% uh, Well, he's a boy. Man. He's yeah, yeah, 50% boy, boy, 50% wolf. Exactly. Yeah. So when he, yeah, boy, when he turns 16, right, he goes into the moonlight for the first time, he's going to transform into a wolf, and he turns into a poodle. Oh. And that's the whole thing, right? It's like, so it's then pretty much a reverse down. Clifford. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so like he becomes a poodle, and he has to then run around and prove himself that he, you know he has like two days to prove himself that he proved that he's a wolf and, to like, qualify for the Poodle Olympics or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Putin stood over his shoulder, telling him, <laughs> "I'll put you down." But basically, right, there's this bit where because he meets a scrappy young other dog who's like a crossbreed who lives on the streets, is hard and whatever, oh. played by Samara Weaving. I did not realize it was Samara Weaving until afterwards, and then it sort of made sense. But yeah, so she then teaches her all the, like, the dog tricks and how to be a dog rather than a wolf. Sure. And because there's this big thing built up, like dogs and wolves hate each other, which doesn't make any sense, but no. fine. So he's having to hide the fact that he's actually a wolf, but he's not a wolf, he's a dog. So Samara Weaving at one point is saying like, oh yeah, this is how you mark territory and this is what you do and this is how this is, you do a piss. And he's like, oh, I'm never going to wee in public. So this film, then, 100% wolf, has a potty training scene. Yes. So there's a scene then in which we see, and this is the point I was getting on to, uh, we see the territory being marked, right? And basically what happens when you walk past an area that a dog has marked, mm-hmm. in this world, the dog's ghost appears in front of that landmark. What? So like in front of the lamppost, like the, the, you know, the, the, the ghost of this dachshund would appear and be like, hey, this is my lamppost. Seriously? Yeah, that's that's in the film. Oh, it's uh, in the film. Great... Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about film. I thought it was in yeah, the film. Yeah, there's also a great bit where there's a Scotty dog turns up and all his dialogue's written to have a Scottish accent. So he's saying, like, aye, lassie, and so on. Except the actor they cast is Australian. So you've just got this Australian as a Scotty dog saying, oh, aye, lassie. It's like Luke McLean, you know, because he's got a Scottish surname, but he's, which is relevant to the rugby sure, we're getting onto. He's Australian. Sure. But he plays exactly. Italy. He's Australian. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know the other thing about me seeing 100% Wolf yesterday? Go on. So I saw 100% Wolf, right? I then mm-hmm. saw another film, uh, mm-hmm. which I won't mention because I just ended up talking about it the full way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was planning on going back that afternoon to see there's a re-release of Inception at the minute. Right. 10th anniversary and so on. And I went to go outside and I'd come out in just a t-shirt because we'd been in a heat wave the last week. Sure. Right. And I then got to the door of the cinema and I realised it was chucking it down and I checked the weather app and so it was going to rain for another two hours. The time I'd have to be outside before going back into the Inception. And I turned around and thought, okay, I'll just go and see whatever's on. Because, you know, my ticket will be free anyway. Right. I'll just see whatever's on just to stay inside. Because, and I of realized... course, they know your Squid Rugby, so they, they give exactly, you free yeah. tickets. They just, yeah. they just let me for free. Yeah. 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 I'm in the town rugby, so they're just yeah. like, hey, hey, you're named after us. Yeah. Uh, so I went back inside, right? And what should be the only film playing in the, in that hour... But a hundred percent wolf. 
So I saw 100% Wolf twice yesterday. Jesus Christ, man. I know. I saw it twice in one day. So you saw 200% Wolf. I saw 200% Accumulatively. Yeah. We're 11 minutes in. We haven't mentioned which game we're covering. It's Italy against Russia. Rugby. In the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Yes. So I saw, yeah, 100% Wolf twice, but I only saw this game once. (laughs) Really, I should be doing the podcast on 100% Wolf because I'm an expert on that film. Yeah. It sounds like a good film. It's all right. Um, it doesn't really. So, it's fine. Reese Darby's in it. You know, fine. Whatever. Who cares? Um, from, you know, Flight of the Concourse and that. So, anyway. Italy, 53. Russia, 17. What did you think of this rugby? Uh, I thought it was good rugby. Yeah. No, you know what? Overall, I thought that the standard of this game was pretty poor. <laughs> it was... The thing is... I've looked at a lot of these games and thought, oh, that's so incredibly 2011. This was very 2004, the standard of this game. Because it was basically, <laughs> to just briefly touch on the team, it was pretty much Italy's second team playing against yeah. Russia here. So they brought in the likes of Praticetti, Boccino, Tonya Lati, who weren't particularly, you know, they wouldn't be no. trusted really to play in first team Six Nations games, for Italy, it's safe to say. Only players who carried three players carried over from the previous game, which were Sergio Parise, captain Andrea Marzi, who had of course been it was the previous year, wasn't it? It was Six Nations player. Uh, it was that year. It was that year. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that, and I thought I correct myself. Um, and I think it was Bortolami. It was either Bortolami or Golden Hayes carried right. over from the previous game. One of the second yeah. So McLean. So, yeah, they, the oh no, McLean. So yeah. McLean played fullback. Yeah, and he shifted over to the wing. Right. So yeah, it was pretty much the same. The, no, sorry, a different team. Yeah, and the st- the standard of sort of. We talk so much about the lack of shape, of what we consider shape in yeah. these days. In the year of 2020 in rugby, you know, but like there was such a lack of it. And it was literally just yeah. whoever ran onto the ball better would make ground, you know, this yeah. game. And like, don't get me wrong, the standard of it was pretty dreadful and very much like third team level these days. But at the same time, I think it was great fun to watch. It was entertaining, yeah, yeah. consistently, because both teams really went at it, to use yeah. the phrase I keep using on this podcast. <laughs> right, so the game starts, and as we talked about where was Samoa the other week, yeah. the first kickoff goes out on the full, that Rashkov, who's coming at 10, normally a centre for Russia, just kicks it dead, just kicks it dead right off there, and you kind of see Artemyev is half-heartedly chasing, then he realises it's bouncing over the trial, and he starts sprinting for a bit, then he realises it's going dead and kind of like resigns himself yeah. to... This Paul is my Bear. World Cup. Yeah. And then, so there's then a the resulting scrub, you know, one minute in, if that. Italy absolutely blow them off the ball. Yeah. Like, they, they drive like almost up the 10 meter line. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, it's great referee by Wayne Barnes, because he doesn't blow for a penalty. It's like, they didn't yeah. scrummage legally. He, they just force them backwards. Yeah. And they keep going and going and going and make so much ground, so much momentum. And then, because they won a scrum, Italy go, lads, I think we're the All Blacks today. <laughs> and they suddenly start going mental and just throwing these passes I've never seen an Italian team play throw otherwise. Yeah. They suddenly start going all out and throwing offloads and trying to run lines and just not playing like any Italy team seen before or since. It's bizarre, isn't it? And like, yeah. The, the level of confidence this Italian second string backline had compared to what you usually see in the Six Nations was insane. Like, yeah. the amount of like backhanded offloads you're seeing from them and like accurately as well. And you kind of got the impression like, well, if you throw these offloads, lads, why don't you do it more? Yeah. And I thought this during, you know, towards the end of the first half, especially that first half, especially the first sort of 35 minutes where Italy are completely in control. Yeah. 
it's the most confident I've ever seen any Italian team look. Yeah, it's, it's like, phenomenal. And it's not just, you know, like the All Blacks look confident when they play Namibia or something. Yeah. But it was on another scale, the yeah. night and day difference between this Italian team and a normal Italian team. You know, yeah, the, of the, any era. Even, yeah, even the teams that played against, I suppose they struggled against Canada in the following World Cup. But even the, the Italy team that played against Namibia and Canada in sure. last year's World Cup. Yeah. Night and day different to this team who just were like, we are the best team. We are the big boys. We've come to put you away. And they did that despite having Ricardo Bocchino at 10. Yeah. 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 And we'll get on to him. But we will. It seemed like just a proper like convincing tier one team, which I know yeah. Italy in theory are, but I mean... You would sort of not be too surprised if they sort of scraped through this game rather than just completely convincingly, comprehensively battering Russia as they did. Yeah. To touch on the first try, which yeah. was scored by Sergio Parisa himself. And again, this shows the sheer level of confidence. Having your number eight running out the back <clears throat> with a dummy running. It is Parise, hard. though. It is Parise, but, who yeah. has never, ever lacked confidence. But no. the way that Italy will have been sort of convinced to play, and I guess, you know, he was behind Burkina, who is in no position to tell Parise what to do, you know? <laughs> but the, to have sort of their patterns of play organised by their number eight is something mm. that just shows a great level of confidence. Yeah. And then he throws the dummy and does the uh, whole fuck it, I'll do it myself thing. No, but they, a try. no, but it's a really nicely worked try. It's a lovely Everyone try. picks their lines really late yeah. and Burkina takes the ball and everyone then waits, sees how the defences are lining and then runs their lines. Yeah. And Parise is gently... He doesn't throw the dummy because he's Parise and he's overconfident. No, 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 no. It's the he right throws option. it because he waits. Yeah, exactly. Like the defense drifts off. Yeah. Because everyone's picked lines. Everyone's run them, decided on ba- or based on what the defense is doing. It doesn't change the fact and that he loved three. He scored the first try of the game. Well. Oh yeah, and so do the crowd as well. The crowd yeah. were like, "This is the lad we know. This yeah. is the guy we've heard of, and he and scored." Likewise, the commentators. Uh, yes. One player that they do. Oh, but I do have a note of nine minutes in where I've just put Burkina has no clue how to manage a game. Uh, no. Because the moment that I'd picked that out for was Italy had made a break from within their own 22 and gotten up to halfway. Then uh, Eduardo Gori is playing nine, isn't he? And he feeds Bacchino, mm. who has like a pod of forwards to run off him. Uh, and I mean a pod, because that's what it was back <laughs> in those days. And there's three forwards on his right-hand side. And he just kind of wildly flings it in between the three of them, hoping one of them would catch it. And it's like, yeah. you don't know your systems, do you? You don't know which of those three players you're supposed to be passing yeah. to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like he... I mean, I think it's the same pass we're talking about, yeah. where he just like lobs it over a yeah. second row's head. Yeah. And you're just, what are you doing? What are you trying to achieve there? Yeah. And then like his first convert no he, he then does a kick um and it's just a normal like kick down a line from rushing away a penalty and he hoofs it right in the air and it's like yeah it goes out it's fine he did the job but he's put so much height on it what was the point in that yeah, like yeah. it's it's leaving the stadium height you know it's it's you remember the time lee burn hit a camera on the yes. stadium roof yeah. yeah it's like that level height yeah. and it doesn't have to be he's just kicking down the line from a penalty no, yeah and then there's one very positive contribution he makes but it is down to a lot of incompetence when he kicks, does a really lovely kick for the corner in open play. Yeah. And both, I think it's Igor Kalishnikov, might be Vasily Artemyev, are chasing, is chasing back alongside Matteo Protichetti. Uh, yeah. Both go to dive on the ball. Neither of them just have any clue how to keep it in their grasp. And it ends up going through the legs of Protichetti by accident as he kind of trips over the ball. And Benvenuto mm. kind of picks up the ball and goes, oh, well, I guess I've scored. And then gets the most big dick confidence for the rest of the game. <laughs> I just don't 
I've got written at one point just who is Ricardo Boghino. I know. I only because remember him from won, this game. That's the only yeah, thing I remember for him. He won a handful of caps over 2010-2011. Yeah. But not regularly, you know, like he'd come off the bench for five yeah. minutes. Because Chris Burton was their second choice. At this Christ, point. he was, wasn't he? Chris Burton was their established second choice. I think he got injured or maybe it was just drops. Yeah, one of the... Because I remember, as I remember, in the warm-ups in Italy's wider squad, they only had two fly halves. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Pacino, who no one had heard of. Yeah. I remember seeing him come in for one of their warm-up games. I can't remember which one. And him throwing one nice pass and going like, oh, is he useful then? And then games like this and games like whenever he got a chance after that, you went, who is this guy? Yeah, as I say, this weirdly, this I have rewatched this game at some point before, and I'm not really sure mm. why. But a few years ago, I just randomly, I think, watched this game again, and Ricardo Pacino was playing, and I just thought, who the hell is he? Like, I don't yeah. remember having heard of him, oh, I... and I, I just remember him for this game and the fact that he was that bad that I would kind of keep tabs on him, and the fact that he was playing, mm. you know, center in the Italian leagues or something, and just how See, he managed I... to gu- guide his way to the Italian tenures, I have no idea. The exact same thing happened with Carlo Canner a few years later. Sure, but it he worked. For sort him. of came absolutely out of nowhere. Yeah, and you kind of went, "Oh, is he enough for Ricardo Pacino?" Yeah, and then and he actually, loves Star Trek. no, he's yeah, he's he's actually Carlo Canner's a very good fly half. Yeah, and people will pick on him, but actually, he's a really solid. No, he's great. Yeah, 10. and and he turned himself into Tesla with twelve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas Ricardo Pacino was, I don't know what he brought. No, he was. He was like watching, you know, in that way, sometimes you see an amateur player go like, I could do that. You know, will they do it to Wickenham? Yeah. I could do that. It's just yeah. me in the team. It's like that happened. And suddenly you realise how, I, he just looked completely out of his depth. Yeah, he did. And it wasn't, uh, in the way, you know, Luke Price, and I've talked about this a lot for the Ospreys sure. last year, looked, he was playing above his level. Yeah. And I felt really sorry for him because he just, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't yeah. cope with the pace of the game. The it wasn't like best. that. Bacchino had, he didn't understand what was going on. He just, he couldn't read the game. Very unusual selection, wasn't it? Yeah. Bacchino. And I think, ideally, I guess, his skill set fits the fly half position in he could kick and pass. Yeah. And, I mean, he wasn't great at either, but he could do both to a reasonable standard. And it's like you, you just put all of your points in the kind of RPG system yeah. into the two stats and you left all game intelligent type stuff out. Yeah. And so actually, that's the most important thing for fly half. You know, you look at the best fly halves, and all of them, there are flyers out there who aren't that quote unquote talented. Yeah. You know, but just because they read the game, they're able to get by at the absolute highest level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing the fact that we have Bacchino starting at 10, just completely overshadowing the fact that in the year of 2011, they had Matteo Pratichetti starting at 12. Like, how on earth did that start? And they had Pablo Cannavosio on the bench. I, I quite like Cannavosio. He was fine. He was an entirely okay player. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, uh, very unusual back line for Italy. Yes. Uh, Pr- I should say as well, Pratichetti played most of his rugby on the wing. Right, was fair yeah. to say, but plays a centre as well. Uh, to, to, to qualify. And he was, what, how old was he? Yeah, because he won his first cap in 2004. Mm. So that's only a seven-year seven test career. Fine. Yeah. But yeah. But to touch on, you know, the rest of the back line, they had Guilio Tognolati on the wing, who scored two tries, the first of which was the second try of the match after Parise's, yeah. uh, which was a lovely try again. And as you said, like, the complete big balls confidence Italy were playing with at that point, where yeah. Parise gets the ball on the short side and does this lovely pop back to Andrea Marzi, who's running a like, curved mm. line behind, who does like, a kind of like overhead kind of pass to... Tonyolati, who finishes it really slickly in the corner, and it's just yeah. such a lovely try. 
started with that pass by Parise. Yes. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really attractive try. It is, yeah. And Parise's hands are excellent. Lovely. And it's a reminder of, and we talked about this on Italy's last game, actually he was very good. Yeah. yeah and yeah, actually, yeah. there was a reason he developed that ego. It was so fun watching this game, watching Parise in this game, because... <laughs> there's so many players in this in this match who just aren't international like six nations kind of standard who would there's oh. a lot of players who are nowhere near that to be honest and like um, it, well, the, no disrespect the, to them but there's a lot of players who are most like, of the Italy team are there's a few kind of dropped in you know you've got Parise who was genuinely world class yeah you've got Marcy you've got McLean who were international class yeah like very solid very good, good international established, players yeah yeah you had the front Italy front row who were who were brilliant. excellent yeah and then you had a few, you know, like the Benvenutis and so on, who are solid international players. Yeah, and then right. dotted around and the Russian team, you had like your Artemis and Ostrushkos. Yeah. Whereas the most of that Italy team is Pro 14 standard. Yeah. Like they're not bad players. They're just, yeah. as I said, playing or a level too some high. Some of them just the sort of players you'd have on the bench in a Six Nations exactly, game. Exactly, yeah. Not many of them yeah. would be trusted to start, you know. You wouldn't find yeah. them going to Twickenham with, I don't know, Praticetti starting in the centres. Yeah. You know. Whereas that Russia team, I'm not going to be around the bush any longer. For the first half an hour, they were genuinely inept. Yeah, they were. They were. Like, they were. They then picked up and they then got far better. Yeah. But for half an hour, they were. They were very confused. Pretty much useless. Yeah. They were very confused. As bad as you'll see from a World Cup team. Yeah. They just. They weren't making attack, or they were making attackers, but they weren't keeping to any sort of system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And they were conceding ground so easily. Yeah, and just they opening just... gaps, and like, to be honest, if they didn't need terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly, they and they were, weren't just covering weren't the backfield. Themselves. Yeah, and I think actually part of what happened in the second half is that they started covering the backfield far better. Yeah, which yeah. meant Italy couldn't get a kick and get an explosive. You know, yeah, yeah, Italy and they sort so of disappeared a lot as well. Oh, absolutely, the yeah. discipline was a huge problem as well. Yeah, and they were just making simple mistakes. The one you mentioned with the Bocino, the kick for the corner, where you've got two men covering across, and like. <laughs> I thought at first, watching it live, as it were, you know, yeah. um, on the first angle, that it's like, oh, it's, it's really bad. Now, even Artem Yev's making mistakes. Yeah. But then you realize, actually, it's none of it's his fault, you know. He's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. left in a difficult position. He trusts his teammate to not really screw that up. Yeah. His teammate does really screw that up. And he's left just trying to scramble and make amends, which he can't really do because yeah. he's in a really awkward position. Then, at this period, the last... Italian tribe before Russia starts to wake up is Tanya Lati yeah. second. Where yes. so Russia have a bit of an attack and find a little bit of space but get dumped into touch. Yeah. Italy take a quick throw and find Parise, as it just so happens <laughs> in the middle of the field, who he knows exact he knows that if he just runs hard enough, he will be able to make some space himself. So he throws yeah. a dummy and c- swerves around two or three Russian players and it's he throws this beautiful offload to uh, yeah. Tanya Lati who scores into the posts. Uh, and does that funny little baby celebration where he puts yes. the ball up his jumper? I'm not sure if he had a kid at that point. I'm assuming <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, his yeah. Um, his partner uh, gave birth that week. Right. Okay. And he was away playing the World Cup. I remember he scored two tries. Right. Um, yeah. And the week that his baby was born, and he then does like the other one is he rocks the the, the yeah. ball like yeah, his baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But af- not long after that, Russia make a change which is inspired shall we say. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's through an injury yes. or if it was tactical. However, Alexander Shakarov, good scrum off in his own right, had been perfectly fine. he does, fine. Throw, he oh, does he... throw a properly terrible pass he where does. he just drops it on the floor in front of him, essentially. Yeah. 
where it goes about five inches forward and to nobody. Yes. Um, he just kind of drops it in front of the Italian defenders. Yeah, yeah. and everyone kind of goes, you just do that. And Wayne Barnes actually waits a moment before yeah, playing his whistle. That's a, yeah, that is a forward pass. Yeah, because I've never like, seen that okay. before. Yeah, sure. I don't know why I do that. There's a couple of things where Wayne Barnes kind of has a sympathy for Russia because mm. absolutely nothing is going their way from yeah. the momentum and game point of view. But So he, like the yellow card, I think, if he received a yellow card, and I don't think that would have been given the other way around. No. The, Russia think, did so much worse yeah. in their own 22 than Ungaro did at that point. But it, you know, it's for it's for taking a man out without the ball. Yeah, and Italy, it's a penalty. It's a penalty. Very but, hard done by. But yeah, yeah. But it happens because I did as well. Like I think everyone felt sorry for Russia, yeah. and you heard the crowd really got behind Russia as well. Yeah. But as I say, yes, Shakarov's a perfectly good scrum off. Yeah, watching you know a fair few times, but they bring him off in favour of the great Alexander Yanyushkin, who is just. A god among scrumarves. He is a man who simultaneously manages to look like a ten-year-old boy and a dad. <laughs> yes. Yanushkin looks like he's made a Lego. He does, doesn't he? He's slightly too rectangular. Like, there's something about him. He's the wrong shape. He's five foot five? Yes. But he's built. Like, but he's not built in... He's not sort of muscular. He's just sort of square. He's very square. And honestly, yeah. he's... I, I love him because like he, his, his style... He doesn't of, look like his shoulders be able to move his arms. He looks like no. he should be stuck in one position. Despite all of this, you'd think he's sort of like, you know, sort of kicking that. And he has played 10. I think he's played on the wing mm. for Russia as well. but And he played a lot of sevens, of course, as well. But he his style of play is so, like, open, like, broken field, kind of like... He will play at a billion miles an hour. Yeah. So the closest thing, I think, the closest comparison you can make is Fafta Klerk. Yeah. Both in terms of his build his as well. His body shape is and very his, similar. His body shape, and he plays a bit like Afterclerk. Yeah. He's a massive, tiny shithouse. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's he nippy and he's quick and he likes to whip the ball away. Yeah, but he's mostly sort of just angry with men bigger than him. Yeah. He's got that kind of small man syndrome, but he channels it really well. Yeah, absolutely. And so, not long after Jan Yushkin comes onto the field, mm. Russia get a line out in the Italian territory. Yes, they, they do. They set up a move which is so clearly just designed for Artem Yev to go straight through. As was, I think, every time they had an attacking opportunity, every move would result in Artem Yev carrying the ball in because they were hoping he'd it's, make a break. Yeah, it's either Artem Yev or it's uh, Matagovsky in the centre. Oh, Matagovsky, yeah. Matagovsky, yes, thank you. Sorry, yeah. Uh, at 12, yeah. is It's either that or they want him to crash past three people. Yeah. Because they seem <laughs> to think he's bigger than he was. And to Artem Yev. I, yeah, but I don't know if it's... When I was watching, they designed so many moves thinking this was Marnonu, you know, yeah. thinking it was Jamie Roberts standing in the middle. I, I don't like know if Matavetsky. Yeah, but I... also, like, okay, this is something I've read. I, I don't know if it's 100% proven. Right. But the Russian League is the only one in the world that doesn't drugs test. <laughs> so I don't know why this is the guy they're looking at as being massive. It might be because, because the rugby do drugs test. Yeah, but they were looking at him like, this is the biggest lad in the world. I can't believe we found him. We've just got, we've got Clifford the Big Red Dog. He's going to charge. <laughs> he's going to take a run up and he's going to come at you. But Clifford was really calm and really passive. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. look how big this dog was. Mm. But yeah, Russia run this set piece move. Yes. Artemyev crushes up the middle and Jan Yushkin picks the ball up and runs the right hand side and realises nothing is on. And therefore he then just goes, oh, I don't know what to do here. Starts running to the left-hand side instead and just finds a massive gap and scores. 
Russia's first ever try at any Rugby World Cup, which is yeah. I think you're doing this a just disservice. Oh, I love it. I love it. Because Russia carry a few phases and they work really hard at the line. Yeah. And they, for a while, have been slowly going forward and just retaining the ball well. Yeah. And to, oh, no, 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 no. It was a perfectly well constructed yeah. try. And, you know, they did and very well. And does spot that gap yeah. quite early on. Yeah. And he sells it completely. Yeah. And the, the runners around him sell it as well. And I love that I try. also, I want to I wanna highlight something. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, when I came to watch this game, I remembered that I had a version of this saved from when I made the video on Russia ahead of last year's World Cup. Okay. So, I had this game saved with Russian commentary. Although at first, so it starts off, the first like two minutes of the video are a Kiwi guy talking, then it throws over to the Fox Sports commentary, then it throws over to the Russian commentary. Right. So I get this like commentary whiplash. The guy, the Kiwi guy at the start, calls him... Serge Paris. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not even Sergio, because I'm Serge Paris. Sure. Which is just incorrect. Derby, no, what's he called? Is he Derbyshire? Derbyshire. Derbyshire. That should be one of the easier names for him to pronounce. Apparently not, yeah. He also, he describes Adam Burns as the Aussie bloke. <laughs> which, yeah, because he was, you know, Russian grandparents, lived in yeah. Australia most of his life, or all his life. He then, yes, he says his phrase, and I wrote this down. He says he's the Aussie bloke. His mother has a Russian. And then he moves on to the next player. Just like, in the dungeon? He's yeah, got, once had a white Russian, keep... and then suddenly yeah. it's just... You're qualified to play for him now. He's, he can get the World Cup, lads. He's keeping Anushkin in a dungeon somewhere. In his bed. <laughs> um, uh, on the contrary, the, on the New Zealand commentary, okay. which was Gordon Bray, Matthew Cooper, and Justin Marshall. Right. Uh, I think those were all Gordon Bray. However, fun pronunciations of players' names include instead of Shakarov, what do you think a good mispronunciation of that would be? Shakirov? Shakira. <laughs> Shakira. At one point Gordon Bray calls him Shakira. <laughs> well, he sold that sidestep, his hips truly did lie. Yep. Shakira, Shakira. Twice. Uh, uh, okay. no in fact. Gordon Bray once and Justin Marshall once Talifow. called Tonulati Tortellini. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. That's like Greg Clark saying, I watched for some reason Italy Namibia last year with uh, with the Australian commentary and Greg Clark said, oh, it's a great assist there. You should buy him a bowl of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say that. It's just xenophobic. I mean, in fairness, Guilio Tognolatti does sound like a name for pasta. <laughs> it does, yeah. He's the one player that I think, if I were to make So does Pacino, a... actually. 
Pacino sounds like yeah, pasta. Just a bit. It sounds like, well, I've like thought, folded um, parcels. I've also thought Ricardo Pacino sounds and looks like he should be like the expert on a DIY show. Like, not the host. <laughs> he should be the guy they bring his, sure. like, a, you know, shit tons about history and nails. Yeah. I've also <laughs> thought that uh, Tommaso Dupicie sounds like a pasta sauce. <laughs> no, he sounds like an expert chef. He should be on the, yeah. This Morning, like, teaching you how to make Ricardo Pacino. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, finally, I okay. think it was Matthew Cooper called Mauro Bergamasco, pretty famous player. Yeah. Berlusconi. <laughs> Berlusconi, not even Berlusconi. No, Berlusconi. Berlusconi. So he didn't even mix him up with the then current Prime Minister of Italy. No. Who was Berlusconi, Silvio Berlusconi. No, he... Berlusconi. Fantastic. Okay, he just, just look, I really, really hate scones. I'm going to burn one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so, I'd want to pronounce but, it wrong. Yes. My point about the Russian commentary was because I watched this game with Russian comms. Right. And I think this is worth highlighting, right? Their commentary as Yanushkin scores his try. Okay. Okay. We ready? I'm so ready. That is very wholesome content. It really I'm is. I'm really happy for them. Yeah, I love that. And it yeah. did get me thinking as well, right? Or not not thinking, just, just intrigued by the Russian commentary. Uh, so I have got, in addition, five things that happened in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got the Russian commentary, and I'd like you to try and guess what they are. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So let's start here. This one, there's a giveaway towards the end, so I might pause it early, but okay. we'll see. Okay? Yep. I'm guessing that's Tony Lati's second try. That is Tony Lati's second try, the one you described with a really lovely offload by Sergio Parise, which made them go, ay ay ay! Okay, here is the next question. You've got one out of one so far, I'm very impressed. Yep. That's Vladimir Ostrushko's try. <laughs> it is not. It Whoa. is not. <laughs> Take another guess. Uh, Vladimir Ostrushko makes a break early on. Is it that? Nope. It is Igor Klitschnikov taking a clearance by Italy in his own half. <laughs> Under very little sure. pressure. Okay. But just, I think Italy have had all the ball up until now. And, and just they just excited to be taking part. Some, yeah, exactly. Someone's going and he gets really carried away and starts screaming. And at this point, I made a note. They are 17 nil down. Oh, bless them. <laughs> they get the ball and they get super excited. Okay. Here is another one on a... Oh, I won't say anything. <laughs> Ничего, не каждый же так. Где у нас здесь креативы? Вот здесь, здесь. Враки бы 
I'm guessing. Right, okay, I'm going to take a, a wild and outlandish okay. guess. Was that the point where it, uh, Russia won a scrum penalty? <laughs> it was not. No. That would have been good. I think they got far more excited than that. No, what was it? The As he says, pop, 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 <laughs> Vladimir, no, sorry, Vasily Artemyev drops on a loose ball. <laughs> he chased, like, Italy stab a kick through from that. They've got a bit of an overlap. They put a grubber through. Sure. And Artemyev dives on it. And he goes, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was fun. Yeah. How many more? Two? Two more? Uh, okay. Sure. Let's do two more. Yeah. Two more. Two more. Oh, I've, no, I've got three more. Should we do all okay, three? Let's do them. Let's do them. Still three. Okay. I wonder if there's any Russian listeners feeling this is just really obvious. <laughs> I really can't figure that one out. I'm going to guess Luke McLean's try. No, it's the conversion of Jan Yuskin's try. Huh. Well, they say, yes, 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 that yes, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two more? Okay. Yep. I'm going to guess that's Makovetsky's try. No, that is the last try by Alexander Zani. No, 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 no. no. Basically, Uh, what happens... Should we talk about that try for a second? Sure. Um, Basically, what happens is Russia have a scrum on their own line. Italy drives them off the ball. The ball spills loose. Zani picks it up, dives over. Yeah. And as they're shoved off their own ball, he starts going, no, 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 no. Oh, bless him. Which is the satisfying moment. And last, but absolutely not least, I reckon you should be able to guess this one. <laughs> That's Vladimir Ostrushko scoring in the corner. That is Vladimir Ostrushko scoring in the corner. And I think that leads us on to Vladimir Ostrushko scoring in the corner. Yeah. What a, what a finish, to be fair. I mean, <laughs> when spectacular. We had, when we had Blaine Scully on the. Uh, uh, you know, just remember that, one, remember that one time when we had Blaine Scully <laughs> on the podcast? Do you remember those days? He was talking about how. Ostrushko is just one of the hardest players to tackle in the world, and you can just mm. you can tell whenever you watch him play sevens as well. You always can tell, like yeah, his upper body strength is phenomenal. And he's so quick, but Russia starts spreading the ball wide, and one of the Italian players clearly doesn't fancy making that tackle, so shoots it for an interception and misses it. Ostrushko takes the loose ball, but and... the thing is, from the angle we initially see, it looks like he's taken the interception. Mm, yeah, because the camera and it looks it. like it's gone. Yeah, and as you hear in the Russian comms there, they kind of go, "Oh," thinking they've taken the intercept. Yeah, and then there's a moment where everyone just kind of stops. Yeah, and you think, "Hold on, has this? What's what's happened? You know, has it been a knock on? Has it happened?" And then he's just like, "Oh no, yeah. Ostrushko has it." Yeah, and he properly manages to take. Uh, is it Tanya Lati on the outside? Uh, well, yeah. whichever the wing is, he's opposite anyway. He manages to properly just take him on the outside with probably like well, there's a lot of room. But Tony Lati's already outside him. So to swerve all the way outside mm. him and still beat him, like when the other player has a head start, it's an incredible finish. Yeah. If there's anything to watch from this game, it's this try. Yeah. Yeah. This is just far and away the one highlight. On one, you know. Yeah. 
that's such a great piece of skill. It's it's the value of a winger, you know. And yeah. he was a seven specialist. Oh, he wasn't a seven specialist, but he played a yeah. lot of sevens. He played, you know, he was a consistent yeah. figure for Russia in the sevens. Yeah, phenomenal sevens player. But this and was the, then yeah. continued, you know, he adapted to thirteen by the yeah. twenty nineteen World Cup and was such a as he said, like that thing Blaine said about him being such a hard man to tackle. Yeah. And you could tell because as well as being strong, you know, as you expect, I guess, he had such feet. Yeah. And it was the sort of the sheer dynamism of it. Like yeah. he was leaping several times his own kind of size. Yeah. You know. He was stepping far further than you'd expect he could. Yeah. But like you might cover a certain amount of space with him. But you think actually he's able to somehow get way outside you. And the way he steps, swerves, and then dives in the corner so quickly. Yeah. It's it's a spectacular it's a great, finish. Yeah. As I said, like with this whole thing of like you know rugby X and the uh, yes. the one on one tie break thing. Yes. There are a few players in the world that I would rather have in that scenario oh. than Vladimir Trushko. Um, oh, he's a good shout. Yeah. Just because he just looks like one of those and like even if you tackle him, he will take you with him, you know? Yes. He's he's yeah. one of those players. He's such a phenomenal player if you got him one on one. And it was you kinda of came for Artem yet, but you stayed for Strusko. Yeah. Like he was he was so much fun, and yeah. he was kind of a discovery during this World Cup, I think, for a lot yeah. of people, myself included, someone that hadn't yeah. seen much of Russia prior to this. I think I've seen one of their games in the lead-in. Yeah. No, I watched a couple of games in the Churchill Cup, yeah. that side, yeah. Sure. You kind of went, oh, this guy is so much fun. Is, and we'll it? get on to when we get there, his try against Australia. Yeah. But they're two brilliant and super fun finishes. Yeah. Like, his try yeah. against Australia is from 50 metres. This yeah. one's only from 20-odd. But it's still... I Cooper as well. He does, yeah. yeah. And then outpaces whoever like it would be on. Or... Yeah. Quaid, he yeah. definitely does Quaid. Quaid's definitely in shot as he goes yeah. over. Yeah, but he's he's brilliant. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's great. And, of yeah. course, that try is started by a great bit of handling from Viktor Gresev, who's playing number eight. Yes. Who I think was a large part of why Russia got back into the game. Because Absolutely. when he woke up, Russia woke up. Because he carried so well. And the first thing that happens as the second half begins, it's Gresev catches the kick and he just runs straight. And he managed mm. to bowl over Shetadini, who's like yeah. a huge man himself. And managed to bowl him over and go through another one of the Italian forwards. And he made probably two or three breaks and he carried so well in this game. And his feet as well. Like, Fantastic. I remember him as a proper hard-working number eight who carried hard. I didn't realise he had a sidestep on him. I had no. no recollection of that. I had no recollection of the way that when he goes through on that break, he then steps the fullback and he gets yeah. caught and everything and he gets pulled down. But he still made about 40 yards. Yeah. And he has a similar thing in the first half where someone shoots out a line to hit him. Yeah. And he just outright sidesteps them and then goes through, makes a break. I thought Grushev was... We'll get onto it, but man of the match contention. I thought he yeah, was phenomenal. He's definitely up there. I don't yeah. even remember him that was a number eight. To be honest, I remember him more as a, being a seven and just thinking mm. like how solid he looked and how ma- and just how big he looked. He yeah. just looked like, again a player who's just really difficult to tackle behind the game line. You know, yeah. And he showed that, and he always managed to break the first tackle, pretty much so every single time he carries the ball. Sevens as well. Garbazov at seven for Russia. Yeah. He had Fantastic a great game. as well. He had a great game. Great game. This is there's a few times I... they just got him into space and he was just bouncing people off left, yeah. right, and centre. Like he just had that kind of like Hamish Watsonish thing, just yeah. like people would bounce off him even if they were bigger than him, even if they went with perfect tackle technique. He just repelled people like some sort of magnet 
being held up. Great breakdown forward as well. Like, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. I was really shocked when they started to move him second row. Obviously, it's kind of worked he out. Slowed since. down, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's similar to the sort of Alessandro Zani kind of story, but yeah. th- because of course this is my point of reference, Garbazov, this game. Yeah, because he is fantastic and he carried the ball so well. He always came off the line and chopped people, and he's a great breakdown forward. He, he, right, he's thirty-seven. He was born in 1983, and he still hasn't retired from international rugby. He Fair played in Russia's last game. Fair play. He started in the second row against Portugal earlier this year. Alongside Ramil Geisin. Yeah. yeah. I just had a moment of, how old is he? Because he already had like 30, 40 caps by this point, Christ. by 2011. Wow. Yeah. And he wasn't even first choice, was he? No. He came in. He's been such a servant for Italy. Oh, he's, he, that game against Portugal. Sorry, yes. Sorry, very much. That yeah. game against Portugal is his 100th cap. Oh, was it? Good on him. Good on him, Congrats to Andre Garbazov. I know you're listening. (laughs) Any other standouts in the Russian team? Because I think it was that back row. I think because they had a back row of Grashev and Greshev. Yeah. I thought Grashev was good as well. Uh, I think it was 7 and 8 in Garbazov and Grashev were the the real standouts. Yeah. 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 But I, you know, and the other big guy is Yanushkin, who we mentioned the try, but generally he has a huge impact when he comes on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For Italy, I think the there's two players I enjoyed the most. Well, mm. first, let's talk about Tommaso Benvenuti. Because when you <sighs> prefaced this episode, you said yes. that you just remember Tommaso Benvenuti just losing the plot. Can you yeah. just explain what you meant by that? So, Benvenuti, right, he started on the wing uh, in the previous game, and he is then moved into 13. And he plays it with the responsibility of like a, a Sunday League, like second, third rugby player who is moved from, you know, like, the wing to 10 or something. Yeah. You know, I see it happen a handful of times. Like, lower level, they're moved into a, a more responsible position. Sure. And just go, it's my day, lads. It's my day. I'm on this. So, he, he, he plays the first half just offloading everything and just running these lines. He scores quite a nice try. Um, it's not nice, but he scores a try. He scores a try, sure, yeah. He, he finishes it well. He finishes it well. Yeah, sure. He then, in the second half, he has a moment uh, for his second try where he, there's nothing really on. I and he stabs this grubber through off his wrong foot, just kind of on the outside of the boots. It bounces through and he just about managed to get it with one arm outstretched. Like the ball bounced in a completely different place to where he's going, but one arm outstretched just managed to dot it down. He then decides, because Ricardo Bacchino is completely useless, actually, lads, I'm taking this. And he takes over the goal kicking. And how does it go, William Reese Owen? He he sprays it very hard far to the left hand side. See also the next three conversions he attempts because yep. on the second conversion he improvises his own kicking stance, which you can tell he's <laughs> never done before. Like you can tell yeah. it's the first time he's done it. He does something like with his arms, like he puts his arms up sort of together in like I guess yeah. kind of a so, Garamara way, but he kind of has them crossed, I suppose. But you can tell he's never done this before. No, and he's got this look of like I know when I tried kicking, you know, when I practiced as a kid, yeah. You kind of pretend you had a yeah, yeah, like yeah, a Wilkinson yeah. style bit, you know. So yeah. you'd kind of hold your hands a certain way, you'd wave them about a bit, and you kind of you'd add your own bits in, you know. Yeah. And eventually, you'd say, "Reach the stage," which you just go, "No, I need to grow up, and this actually helps anything." Yeah, yeah. But he was doing that. He was kind of waving his hands about, and it changed each kick. And he sort of looked like you know that thing when they have like like gifs of boxers doing that like standing yeah. ready pose, like on no, <laughs> you know, like on a on a fighting game menu carried a select screen. And yeah. he's kind of got his fist kind of hovering a bit, like back and forth. It looked like he was doing that. And then he kind of lines up the kick and he shanks it completely in a different way each time. 
Yeah. So one of them he hits too high. One of them he just hits wide. And one of them he hits like really... Like, I, I always remember there was a guy who played for Copenhagen, South African, called Philip Berger, who yeah. I always remember because he had the lowest kicking style I've ever seen. In that he basically hit it like five meters over the bar. And he wouldn't climb at all. Like, exactly. Like, from halfway. He he kicked goals from halfway. But he kicked it so low, the trajectory kick did not climb at all. And he kicks one of them a bit like that. Like, not to the extent of Philip Berger. Who, again, will be one of these players. He, not a particularly famous player, but I remember him in 100 years' time. He had a really unique kicking style. Are you going to be talking about rugby still when you're 125? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. You signed yeah, a contract. Uh, I, I frankly, I thought I was going to be talking about 100 percent Wolf when I'm 125 That's as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'd be good good to talk about rugs. Um, I hate that. Why did I say rugs? Because I love carpets. Anyway, yeah. um, so Benvenuti, right? Yeah, he takes over the kicking. He misses them all. I I went and looked this up. I went and checked. Take a guess. How many kicks Tommaso Benvenuti has kicked in his professional career? Zero. No. Oh, really? One. Six. Oh. Six. So he kicked one penalty for Perpignan, and he's kicked then four conversions for Treviso. Right. And then he kicked one for uh, one goal for Emerging Italy when he was playing for Italy. Right. But oh. I went and checked, and he did his kind of his his points tally for the under twenties and under eighteens suggested he kicked as well. Right. Okay. So he kicked his so like up to under twenty. First time he ever but, kicked a goal, even though it looks yeah. like it. But they weren't, you know, they weren't, it wasn't massive point tallies. It wasn't like no. he was the designated first year's cooking no, kicker. Not. But he might have filled in every now and again. You know, like all of his kicking tallies for age grade sure. look like they were. But he was just very eager he to kicked take one or two in this game. Exactly. Instead yeah. of Massey or McLean. Yeah. He has, in fact, I believe, nailed one conversion for Italy. He definitely has kicked so I'm going to check this for certain. I shouldn't. I don't think he has. Started. I don't think he has. Uh, no, he no, hasn't. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. No, he has not. Well, but he has attempted three. Yeah, and miss them all. Should we talk about Matovetsky's try Matovetsky, towards yeah. the end? So yeah, it's it's a what a try to be fair. It's because, lovely, isn't it? Yeah, they built for so long, and it's a great pass by Rashkov to finish it off. Yeah, and there's there was this thing in the World Cup last year, uh, watching the opening game in the Tokyo Fan Zone. Someone said to me about God. I never knew Russia would have good hands when he put together like one nice passing movement. It was yeah. like, actually this is what they were in 2011. Yeah. Is they were a handling team of big units. They were designed so differently to to the, the you know the, the current Russia team. What Lynn Jones got out of them, which is he went, yeah. we've got some big units and we've got a ten who's an absolute shit house. <laughs> Let's yeah. make the most of this. Whereas this Italy team, actually, they chucked the ball about and they tried to move teams about in a way that didn't make any sense. But they just looked like they were having fun, and that was what this try looked like. Bear in before these matches at the World Cup, Kingsley Jones had set them a target to beat mm. the USA come within 50 of Italy and come within 70 of Ireland and Australia. <laughs> and that included scoring tries. You know, they knew that their mm. defence wasn't going to be as good. They weren't going to be as fit as these teams. But yeah. they really, really practised their ball skills and they played really well. And obviously, they they didn't uh, go for respect that first as much hour. as yeah. the 2019 team yes. where they tried to keep the scores down. They kind of acknowledged that, but they really, really wanted to shut the ball about. And that yeah. try really, really showed it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just, you know, there's lots of passing, lots of offloading. And then right at the end, as I said, by Rajkov, who normally a 12, moved into 10 for this game. Normally 13. And his kicking, normally 13, yeah. Mm. Uh, his kicking was up and down, should we say. Yeah, he had no for a <laughs> kicking session. Griff Rockley, no. Yeah, up and down, thankfully not charged down, but up and down. And then 
he throws this just absolutely brilliant wide it's fantastic. pass. It's in the air for ages as well, but it's yes. that good that uh, Makovetsi still has time to finish it in the corner. Yeah. And it isn't like a Ricardo Pacino pass, which just floats way too high for way no, too long lovely. and does nothing. It's it's lovely, it's accurate, and Makovetsi's able to slide over with, well, you know, unopposed, like no one nearby. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of there's something about it. You almost want to call it back and check something. Yeah, because it looks too clean and crisp. Yeah, too good to be true. Yeah. Okay, another player who I I was saying earlier. Sorry, I forgot about this. Two players mm-hmm. I enjoyed. The other one I really enjoyed uh, Tony Lati in this game. Like aside yes! from his two tries, he was great fun. So he was having such a good day, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is like the most space he's had in an Italian match. So there's yeah. there's three instances I want to pick up on. Okay, the first of which is that he manages to kick a ball out on the fall from kicking it through a ruck. <laughs> he skies it that much that he manages to go out on the fall while just trying to win the ball back in a ruck. The second one is obviously Tony Lati grew up playing scrum half, then moved out to the wing. And there's yeah. one point in the first half, uh, no, the second half, start the second half, sorry, mm-hmm. when Russia have kicked downfield, it's Jan Yushkin's kick the ball downfield, and uh, Italy managed to recover it. They've had plenty of time. Tony Lati has loads and loads of space on the short side. And he mm. does the complete opposite thing of the frustrated winger thing because he's had loads of ball. He's already scored two tries in the first half hour. Yeah. He can play ball now. Uh, <laughs> instead of darting down that side where he, he would have made a good break, he instead just decides to flex a box kick, even though there's <laughs> nobody behind him either. So he's not set for it. But basically he's just decided, well, I, I might as well kick it before Eduardo Gore gets back here or else he'll bollock me. <laughs> because he could take he's it himself. Having, he's honestly, he's having, you can see how much fun he's having. Yeah. And then the final... And then, I don't know if there's something in like... I know when I get back to Italy, when I get back home, I've got a newborn baby and I'm not going to sleep for three yeah. years. This is the last time I'm ever going to have fun. Yeah, yeah. You can show off in front of his mates. But yeah. the final point that I wanted to go with was just before Makovetsky's try. It was literally mm. in the phases leading up to it. Uh, you can see there's a fight starts to break out. Yes. Tony Alati is involved in that. And he sees the number 21, uh, who mm. he's opposite. And 22, thinks, isn't it? Uh, no, it's 21. Okay. He sees that uh, his opposite man, who is playing in the centre, he gives him a bit of a push and goes with him and thinks, yeah, go on now, I'm, I'm going to get him. But what he doesn't realise is that his opposite man is Mikhail yes. Sidorov, who was a flanker who could play in the centres. So he was, yeah, could play back row slash centre slash wing, very versatile player. And he is hard, man. Like, yeah. uh, then Sidorov kind of turns around and goes, oh, you're, you're pushing me. You you may be like loads of points up, and you may have scored a couple of tries, but you're still a winger, and I would still knock you out. And he <laughs> that means around. I've got even less motivation, yeah, even less reason to not get a red card. Yeah, exactly. And then he properly just goes for him and just starts like getting ready yeah. to just pummel him. At which point, then he, he shoves Tony Lati away with force, and Tony Lati then just kind of looks at him like, hm, fair play, and gets back in the line, <laughs> like tries to like style it out as like, oh, I'm too cool to fight you, but really he is shit scared. Oh yeah. I've always got a sense from Tony Lati that he's the kind of guy that uses I play rugby for Italy to chat up life. Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> like, there's something about him that kind of suggests that to me. Like like what I said before about um, that... Alexis Palisson having leather jackets. Yes. Like, I get the same sort of energy from Tony Lati of, like, he thinks he's shit up and it's great that he got a chance to show it. You know the um, the cliche chat up line where people say, oh yeah, I could have gone professional but it broke my leg? He's like that, exactly. but he never broke his leg. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> he actually and once you know it's got two tries doesn't matter who it's against doesn't yeah doesn't yeah you can yeah always like yeah against uh russia uh you know it's a huge country just yeah they beat really, us in the volleyball really big country 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I finally got revenge for for that and for you know wars and that. Uh, do you want to know a really sad fact? Go on. Gio Tonyolati played fifteen tests for Italy. These were his only two tries. Really? Yeah. Bless him. I, I know. Because he One seems to really lost nine. That's not a bad hit rate for an Italian national. I, the things I was quite convinced that he didn't want that third try that he was going for the old jug avoidance strategy yeah. because like he was always like as soon as he had that second try he was just passing the ball and kicking it and just trying to flex everything else he could other than mm. try scoring and making breaks so i'm very surprised there was only tries yeah and yet and yet he must have just thought this is things, lads i'm kicking off i've yeah. got it it's all going well for old geo and then it kind of just petered out after that yeah Oh, it was only a second start. Okay. Okay, fair enough. He'd come off the bench a few times, including yeah. against the All Blacks at Scrum Half. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, he was doing all right. Yeah. And he was just having a lot of fun. And yeah. I'm all for that. Good on him. In a way, Benvenuti was like, was showing off. Tony Lati was on the over end of the scale of like, time. this kind of game. Yeah, he was having so much fun. I bet his night out was fun after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, does that bring us through? We've got, oh, yeah. we've got one other point. Sure. So, the Scrum... Which I think is worth touching on. I've mentioned a few times, but the Italian scrum is completely in control. Yeah. Like, right from literally the first action of the match, other than that kick out in the fall, Italy are smashing them, smashing them, smashing them through. Yeah. It's kind of horrible. And then at 57 minutes, Italy go, you know what? I don't think our scrum's going well enough. And they bring on Martin Castro-Giovanni. Yes. Who wins a line out and makes a break. Yes. Well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He his clean break yeah, is great. Fun. Anytime Castro makes a break, is so much fun to watch. Just with his hair waving. Yeah. And all this. It was kind of great watching Castro in that game because he kind of you could have the, he had the little puppy dog look in his face of like I put playing the Premiership. Usually my positions aren't this bad. <laughs> yeah. Or this tired, I suppose, because Russia weren't that bad. But you know, yeah. By the they were for half an hour. By the time Castro was on. But yeah. But yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to our man of the match and our dick of the day? Yeah, happily. Shall I start on man of please, the match? Yeah. Please start with dick of the day. I'm going to be difficult. I'm going to be the dick of the oh, day. Oh, really? Oh, I'd like yeah. you to start for doing dick of the day first. Fine. Okay. Uh, well, one of the contenders was the rain for making me see 100% wolf twice. <laughs> but, uh, I've, again, there's a few things. So it feels quite harsh to pick on Italy for any of the mistakes they made. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry for Russia. Um, Russia, rather yeah. Russia for any of the mistakes they made, and it feels quite like I can't pick on the props for being destroyed, scrum after sure. scrum after scrum, because it's such a good Italian yeah, it front is. row. Great. And you know they were destroying Australia. Like, there's no shame in being taken apart by that Australian team. Yeah, of course, like, Italian team. God, I can't speak. <laughs> but you know, I then also think. Basically, I'm torn between two people, right? Okay. One is Tommaso Benvenuti for the actions I described yeah. in just over-promoting himself repeatedly. And clearly because he'd gone to this game thinking, like, I'm going to be man of the match, I'm going to get a hat-trick, I'm going to be brilliant, I'm going to show myself as being the best player in the world. And he didn't do that, did he? No. It did not go entirely according to plan. So, um, him? Or... It's him or the other option is Alex Sharikov. Shakarov, uh, okay, sorry, Shakarov. Yeah. Normally I'm entirely fine. Yeah, Shakira pronouncing the names. But for doing one shit pass, then getting Shepherd's crooked after twenty five minutes for the man who comes on and scores your country's first ever World Cup try, 
is a kind of dick of the day worthy it action. It kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of quite Blessing. quite hard to ignore. Also, Ricardo Bruchino existed. Sure. But I think because I sort of feel a level of sympathy for the other two, whereas Benvenuti I like and has had a solid career either side of that and is a good player in his own right, Tommaso Benvenuti is my dick of the day. Okay. Well, I'm, I've got to tell you that, and I don't usually do this, you are wrong. Because the dick of the day, right? And if you watch mm. this on the Russian comms, you won't have picked up on this. Because there's a point where one of the New Zealand commentators points out in the second half, mm-hmm. World Rugby officials had made sure that Mauro Bergamasco had to come off for a minute because he was wearing specifically illegally branded shorts. What? Yeah. So he was like, you remember the two Alangi Mouthguard incident? Where yeah, 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 yeah. It was similar we to should that. Probably, we should probably mention that. Like To clarify that, uh, both two Alangi brothers, both Alizana and Manu, were fined in this World Cup for wearing mouthguards, wearing sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed any non-World Cup officially branded sponsors in the yeah. World Cup. Whereas they, they were advertising on the mouthguard. They weren't paid yeah. to do it. Yeah. So the so same that was, thing that was so, yes, happened to Mauro Bergamasco in this game. He was right. wearing branded shorts. And clearly at some point in the first half, a World Rugby official had spotted this and tried to get hold wow. of him. And so Wayne Barnes had to sort of say to him, oh yeah, can you just go and change your shorts, please? So the commentators were saying, oh yeah, Mario Bergamasco is wearing branded shorts, so he's having to just change them. So yeah, he had to come out and then he ran on with a different pair of shorts. So Mario wow. Bergamasco, for that, is the dick of the day. Fair enough. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Yeah. Do you know what brand the short, what brand was not the shorts? Clue. Not a clue. Uh, Maybe okay. it was Gilio Tonilati's pasta. <laughs> yeah. Can we can we chase them and try to get them to yeah. sponsor us? Yeah, I'd fancy yeah. Can we that. try and get get some sweet dollar that we're paying Mario Bergamasco? Yes, please. I'd like that. Yeah. You know, they love paying people for 2011, so whatever. True. Why Why this game? I, I know! People, they can get away with it. Why Mario Bergamasco, not Parise? Who's staring at Mario Bergamasco's arse enough to yeah. think, you know what, I want to I wanna see that company. I guess if he scores a try... And he was, it was that kind of game where Mauro Bergamasco would score a try. Mm. And he, you know, but was quite a, high scoring forward. Perise was stood next to him. Why didn't well, they grant his arse? He's probably less likely to agree to it, considering Perise mm. probably knew the laws, knew the rules, speaks like 18 languages. And he also is on these incredible deals with various sponsors anyway. True. So True. probably didn't need it. Yeah. But yeah, it feels odd. If you, why not? Why not pick a back or someone? Yeah. Because if you pick Tony Lati, we just spent enough time staring at his ass because he's diving over the trial. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. both wingers. That's a bizarre turn of events. So that's my take. Luke, Luke McLean's try is very nice as well, actually, yeah. mentioned quickly. Yeah. Uh, takes it really well. Really good finish. Yeah. Really good finish. Like, runs 50 metres, skin someone. Yeah. Good player. Good I player always like Luke McLean. Yeah. I always thought he was better than people gave him credit for. Um, man of the match. Man of the match. Okay. You start. You start. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Greshef is one person that I have written down. Tonya Lati another. But I'm just going to have to give it to Sergio Parise. Uh, because he <laughs> yeah. had a direct hand in three of the first five Italian tries or something. Uh, he, yeah. he created so much and carried the ball well. And when he did show off, he was great at it. So you've got to give him the license for that. So I'm afraid it's a cop-out giving it to the world-class player on the pitch. But... <laughs> It just is Sergio Prusse in my eyes. It's Paul Derbyshire. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Greshev, I thought was exceptional. I thought he was fantastic for Russia. Yeah. Very, very good. Again, I think Prusse was great, as you are saying. I think yeah. made a lot of space, carried very well, uh, took his try very well. Generally, generally very good. And Tony Lati, I thought, was a lot of fun. 
I really enjoyed the way he played. Yeah. Similarly, actually, Luke McLean, like, I don't think gets much credit. Him and no. Eduardo Gori both really stitched things together, and you yeah. saw McLean, he ended up playing 10 at the end because. Yeah. For some reason, the thing that caused them to bring Bukino off is an injury, but whatever. (laughs) McLean ends up playing everywhere, so he plays a bit of fullback, plays a bit in the centre, plays a bit on the wing, plays, you know, a bit of fly half. And just, he's such a good link man. I always raised him very highly. I've got respect as well for the fact that McLean's first touch of the ball was about 20 minutes into the game. The other wing has already scored a try or two, and he he just kicks it. And it's like, oh, fair play. You're not a very frustrated winger. Yeah, yeah. But he always had that about him, didn't he? It was an ironic calmness. It was the kind of player that he needed. Yeah, and then... Andre Marzi as well, I thought, was yeah. good whenever he touched the ball. He was off that school of fullbacks who smashed it up, which happened a lot of the time, yeah. because he w- he'd converted from centre. But yeah, yeah. Um, but my man of the match is Salvatore Perugini. Oh, that's fair. That's a good call. Because he played 80 minutes and he was completely destructive. He was everywhere he, around the park as well. Exactly, yeah. So for managing to be consistently... That's a good call. ...destroying the opposition for 80 minutes in the scrum. Yeah. And... Getting around in the loose as well. Yeah, I respect that. It's hard to look beyond Perugini for loose head readily. No, yeah, good call. So, I believe that more or less brings us to the end of another episode. Do you have anything else to say? No, I'm I'm happy. No, you don't want to hear more plot points from 100% Wolf. No, I'm. I feel like I've got it all sussed. You know, I think I've got 100% okay. sussed. Oh, cool, cool. Not 50%. Not 50% boy. None of that. No, no. no. Hundred. Cool. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Join us again next time for episode 21, when we will be talking about Tonga against Japan. It's that really fun pool where you've got three good tier two nations really throwing everything at each other. Um, We should be joined by a returning guest. So that is hopefully an exciting thing for for you. Uh, It's, I'm afraid, not Carly Rae Jepsen. She couldn't find the time in the schedule. No, just fair enough. It's not canon again. Why would you yeah, care? Exactly. Why would you care about Tom against Japan? Exactly. Fair Why enough. should she? She's she's. Why did know, she cares her? deeply? She. I don't know. I just mm. thought well, I could call her maybe, but I had to. Yeah. Classic. Um, it was a real tug of war together. Uh, I've genuinely been listening to a lot of Carly Rae in the last like week or so. Oh wow! Um, this is a dealer episode. She's she's great. She's Fair so play. good. Like she's probably like the best pop writer ish ish maybe of a generation maybe. I think she's exceptional. I think she's very, very good. And I think emotion is like one of the most under I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But... Do you know how far I would go? What? Um, not very far. I'd go back into the cinema and watch 100% Wolf again. Okay. Okay. That's cool. done. Right. That's, that's done. Right. Sweet. Uh, what are you doing next? You up to anything? Um, not really, to be honest. Gonna, no? um Going to eat some food. Oh, yeah? What are you having? Uh, pizza. Pizza. Friday night. Oh, pizza. It won't be Friday night when this is dropped, but... Uh... Oh, of course, the premiership starts tonight, don't it? Oh, People yeah. won't be hearing that now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're very late. Yeah. Sale can go and play, and I'll take total credit for them if they beat Quinns tonight. Yeah, which they yeah. will have already done or not done by the time yeah. you hear this. Yeah, this is coming out in like two weeks' time. We're recording yeah. this one early. Yeah. Cool, okay. Good stuff. Well, I'll see you another time. Yeah, man. I'll see the listeners Good to talk another to time. You. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, we should do this again. Yeah, man. Yeah, Just keep in touch. What's we your number, again. by the way? What's your number? Let me... <laughs> do you want to call me maybe? Yeah. Like Steve Diamond called me maybe. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you can't believe that. Anyway, sorry, I'm still in disbelief about that. We'll see you another time. Bye. Good, am I? I'm actually ending this now. Cool, right. Bye. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.